Hey, welcome to Rockbridge. My name is Matt. I want to welcome you at all six of our Rockbridge physical locations. And then also lots of you watch online digitally from uh, all places near and far. So, hey, we're delighted. We're excited that you're here with us today. Hey, let, let's get, get this rolling. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to 2 Chronicles chapter uh, 29. 2 Chronicles chapter 29. Does anybody know uh, what January 12th, 2024 is, a couple days from now or so? It's the second Friday in January. Does anybody know what it is? It's a national day. It's called uh, Quitter's Day. That's when most, that's like when you just quit your New Year's resolution. Do you realize we have a day like that? Uh, apparently about six to nine percent of people, that's the only, that's, the, that's as high as the number is of people who actually do their New Year's resolution. I don't know if y'all said them or not, but you can mark Quitter's Day on your calendar. Everybody else is doing it. Uh, and, and so there's Quitter's Day. And, and there's Ditch New Year's Resolution Day on January 17th. So if you don't make it on the 12th, you know you got another day. You can just cash it in. And isn't it crazy, though? New Year, fresh start. New Year, new habits. Maybe you hadn't been in church in a while and you're back or you're uh, kicking the tires of Christianity. Uh, maybe you've got a gym membership. Maybe you're going to try to read the Bible. Maybe you're going to try to invest more as a parent or a spouse in your family or in your marriage. But the odds are it's just not going to go well. We're going to quit. We're going to ditch. The odds are it's just not going to go well. And so I, we've kind of been wrestling. And when I say we, the leadership at Rockbridge. And, and we've just been praying. This really goes back probably into the fall about, you know, if, how do we want to start 2024 as a church? And, and, and the word that kept coming up is, is different. That what if we started 2024 different? What if the typical sermon series, new year, new beginning, fresh start, let's do some new habits, you know, let, let's, let's, that's where everybody is, so let's speak to that. Yeah, but then there's Quitter's Day and there's Ditch Day and only 6 to 9% of people kind of stick with it. So what if we just looked at this differently? And so I, I'm going to be kind of real raw a, a little bit. This is going to be a different three weeks in the life of our church, unlike we've had in 20 plus years. If this is your first time at Rockbridge, it's different. It's going to be different the next three weeks. I'll set all that up for us. But let me just sort of tell you how we got there. Uh, about in the, in the fall, a lot of our spiritual leaders, our, a lot of our campus pastors were sort of asking me and, and saying, hey, we need to do something in January unless Jesus comes back. And, and we looked at some prayer stuff. We looked at a lot of different stuff that goes on out there. And, and I was sort of the holdup, okay? I, I just didn't have clarity. It was a tough fall for me. Um, you know, we lost a pastor, a dear friend of mine. Uh, it was not the best season of my life uh, on, a lot, on a couple of fronts. And so I was like at a loss, like to even give any kind of handlebars or any kind of thing of what does this look like. And then one day, I'm just hanging out in Second Chronicles, and I bump into this guy named Hezekiah. And I started looking in depth at what God did through him, and it's different. His, the way he started his reign as the king of Israel was different. The way he interacted with God and the people was different. The way he approached his life and his platform in life was different. And I just sort of began unpacking all the things and, and, and where the people of Israel were and then where they ended up after a different start. 
and I just started thinking maybe this is the handlebar. So I come back and I grab some of our, our leaders and I'm like, hey, let me just sort of tell you what got a hold of me in Second Chronicles 29. And what if we patterned the start of 2024 different? What if we patterned it after Hezekiah? And so let's turn to Hezekiah, or Second Chronicles 29, and jump into the reign of Hezekiah and begin 2024 as a church united together with a different approach. Would you pray with me? God, I just want to pray right now that all of us could lay some things down, maybe some expectations, maybe some preferences, and that, Holy Spirit, you would just open us up and give us eyes to see some incredible things from your word, God, that might move us forward differently, how we relate to you and how we approach this season. And, and we're just going to ask you, Holy Spirit, for big things in our hearts. We're going to ask you, God, to help us and to lead us forward as a church for the next several weeks in, in an intense season, God. And, and I just pray in Jesus' name, Lord, that you would give us all the hunger and the humility to meet you and move forward differently with you. In your name we pray, amen, amen. Second Chronicles 29. Hezekiah was 25 years old when he became king and he reigned 29 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Abijah, daughter of Zechariah. And then this is really a synopsis of his reign. We're going to jump in specifically to what he did the first month, the first year of his reign. But here's the synopsis. He did what was right in the Lord's sight, just as his ancestor David had done. What a great phrase. He did what was right in God's sight. You know, we all have an audience, right? We all have an audience, people were trying to please, people were trying to impress, and Hezekiah just started, his reign is summarized by, he lived for an audience of one. He just resolved he was going to live for and lead and use this platform of being the new king for the audience of one. He was going to do what was right in God's sight. Now, this, is, this, this sounds all good and it sounds all spiritual, but what he was up against was a culture moving in the opposite direction of anything that might look godly or anything that might look spiritual or anything that might look like it was of the Lord. Sounds familiar, right? The cult, we all have, there's a spirit of every age. There's a culture in every age. There's a current of every age. There's the prevailing winds of every age, or there's a prevailing dynamic in your family or in your soul. And let's look at what Hezekiah stepped into. And you got to go back to 28, chapter 28 and look at what his dad was doing. Ahaz was 20 years old when he became king. This is Hezekiah's father. He reigned 16 years in Jerusalem. He did not do what was right in the Lord's sight like his ancestor David, for he walked in the ways of the king of Israel and made cast images of the Baals. So he made idols. He burned incense in Ben-Hanam Valley and burned his children in the fire, imitating the detestable practices of the nations the Lord had dispossessed before the Israelites." 
That's Hezekiah's father. This is the culture of Israel. It is anti-God. It is anti-life. It is anti-morality. It is evil. It is detestable. That's the spirit of the age. And so Hezekiah says, I'm going to do things differently. And so the first difference we note is he decides we're going to swim upstream. We are not going with the flow. And I think if we look at 2024 in a similar light, we all can say there's a spirit maybe that's attacking you. Maybe you're obsessed with a spirit of anger. Maybe you have a spirit of indifference. Maybe you have a spirit of apathy. Maybe you are caught up in the spirit of our age, which is probably best described by the word cynicism. We're just cynical. We're suspicious. We're apathetic. Maybe you're caught up in a family dynamic and you need to break with your past like he needed to break with the past that his father had imposed upon him and imposed upon the nation of Israel. Maybe it's a break with tradition. Maybe it's a break with the society. Maybe it's a break with, hey, I got to quit trying to keep up with the Joneses. I'm going to live for the audience of one. But the difference for me, the difference for us is we're going to swim upstream and we're not going to go with the flow. That's how Hezekiah started. Now, what does this look like in practice? Because it's one thing to be general, it's another thing to be specific, right? Hey, I believe in God, what does that look like? It's one thing to say, hey, I'm a sinner, how are we sinning? So let's get specific. What did Hezekiah do? And so it jumps out immediately in verse 3 that in the first year of his reign, in the first month, so we didn't wait, we didn't call a committee, we didn't wait till things settled down, we got busy. What did he do? He opened the doors of the Lord's temple, and he repaired them. So something is off in the worship of the people of God. The house of God, in the New Testament, you and I are the house of God. We're the temple of the Holy Spirit. But in the Old Testament, there's a physical structure to facilitate the high priority of worship. It's in disrepair, and Hezekiah says, you know what, we're going to start right there. So, so we note another difference. Most of us, when we look at things that are our life or our deal, you know what we start with? We start with us. What would make my life better? What would make my life easier? What would help me fit into a swimsuit by the time the weather warms up? You know, what's that going to look like, right? What does Hezekiah do? Here's the difference. He starts with God. He starts, God, what's pleasing or not pleasing in your sight? See, the, the, the temptation for all of us is, God, here's what I want to do. You come help me do it. And Hezekiah says, no, 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 God. There's something that's displeasing to you that's not of you. Your house is in disrepair, and we're going to start right there. Now, he, here's what makes this even more against the grain, against the flow is they had pressing needs. When Hezekiah became the king, Israel is literally surrounded by enemies, aggressive enemies on all sides. They finished up one war that didn't go real well. 
and they're paying tribute to another king to just kind of keep him off their back. That means they're sending fees and money or gold to keep this king from like invading them. So they've got pressing needs. They've got pressing problems. They've got pressing things just like you and I do. And Hezekiah says, you know what? We're not going to start with the military situation. We're not going to start with this financial burden of paying, of having to pay this tribute to this guy. We're going to start with the house of God because our core function as, as people is worshipers and we can't worship God like he's worthy of. So we're going to start right there. Now what's he saying? Well, what does that say to us? Like we could say, hey, my most pressing need in 2024 is I've got to get my marriage back on track. My most pressing need of 2024 is I've got to get my health better. My most pressing need of 2024 is, man, I, 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 I'm just not sure where I stand in some things in my career or where I am financially. And if we're looking at a different start, we would say, no, no, we've got to start with God. How are things with God and us, God and me, myself, and I? we got to start with God. Because here's, here's the deal. First priority, first importance, and first love are always first. Not sometimes first. Not when things settle down first. They're always first. They're always first. So, so let's, let's see this in the Word of God. Matthew 6, It's one of our core values as a church. We're kingdom seekers. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. So what can you seek? So what, what, if this is first, can anything else be first? 1 Corinthians 15, 3, 5, 3 through 5. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance. And he shares the gospel, the good news of Jesus, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, that he appeared to Caiaphas and then to the twelve. So if the gospel of Jesus, what Jesus just did is first importance, how many other things can be of first importance? And, and then let's go to Revelation. Jesus says this against one of the churches. You've left your first love. If, that's, if, if you have a first love, how many first loves can you have? And so Hezekiah says, you know what? We've got a terrible military situation. War all around us. But first priority, first importance, and first love are always first. And so we're going to start with the house of the Lord. We're going to start with the worship that God deserves that he's not getting from his people. You see, what this strikes me as, is, and I think this is what a lot of us think we have to do, is we have to try to get God on our side. Hey, if 2024 is going to be a great year, I need God to be on my side. The goal, listen, listen, the goal is not to get God on our side. Because long before there was ever a Matt Evans, long before there was ever a United States of America, long before there was ever a you, your family, and your deal, and your little piece of the pie, there was a God who already has an agenda, who already has an ambition, who already has a purpose, who already has a plan. And we are just aligning with him. And so Hezekiah says, we will start with first. And only one thing, can be first the third difference the hezekiah difference that jumps out is he starts immediately and he starts specifically this is where i think a lot of times we have some dangers right we don't always start immediately we put off things that we know are priorities 
And again, if first is first, what else can be first? Right? So we put off, we delay, we, we equivocate. We're like, hey, when things settle down, maybe eventually, at some point, sooner or later, someday, someday, someday syndrome. And Hezekiah's like first year of the first month of his reign, we're putting first things first. And then it's specific. So I think a lot of us are general Christians. You know what I mean? I, I, I'm, a, I'm a Christian. Does your wallet look like you're a Christian? Does your time look like you're a Christian? Does your sexual morality look like you're a Christian? Does your marriage, does your home, does your family, does your calendar, does that look like you're a Christian? We have to be willing to get specific. We have to be willing. It's not enough to say, hey, I'm a sinner. It's more to say, hey, here's how I've sinned today and get specific in our repentance. It's not enough to say, hey, I believe in God. It's like, how does that look in your life? It's saying, hey, the temple door doesn't work and we're going to fix it because that is uh, not glorifying to God. As we're not putting first things first. We're going to get specific for the audience of one. We're going to get specific and do what pleases the Lord, what is right in his sight. And here's the beautiful thing I love about this. The beautiful thing about this passage is that first is always first. We don't have to wait for a feeling we don't have to wait for an aha moment, a crisis, a consequence. And even worse, we don't have to wait for the judgment of God to do the right thing and put first things first. He started in the first year of the first month of his reign as the king. It's the first month of a new year. And we don't have to wait for the hair on our arms and the back of our neck to stand up. We don't have to wait for this ooey-gooey feeling, this aha moment. We already know. We already know because God's word tells us what's first. And if there's only one first, that's where we start. That's where we start. Now we get even more specific. So Hezekiah has the temple being repaired and he brings in the priests and the Levites, and he gathered them in the eastern public square, and he said to them, he said, hear me, Levites, consecrate. We don't even talk about that word a lot. It means set apart, fully dedicate, give to God fully what's his. So give to God yourself. Consecrate yourselves, and now consecrate the temple of the Lord, the temple of Yahweh, the God of your ancestors. Remove everything impure from the holy place. So if we're going to make room for God, we're going to have to remove things that are not of God. If we want more of God, we will have to remove things that compete with God. Because only one can be first. There's only one first, right? And so right here, there's another difference in, in, in how Hezekiah starts his reign. He starts his reign by putting people, spiritual people, spiritual leaders, on a path of consecration. That's not a comfortable word because that means I have to put it all on the table. Is this pleasing to you? Is this fully yours, Lord? Is this full? I have to put it all on the table. He says, consecrate yourself and consecrate the temple. I'm fully surrendered. I'm fully yielded. It's an ongoing process. It's not a one and done, but immediately and specifically, first year, first month, we're going to go down the path of consecration. Now, let me tell you what's happened, especially in the American church, especially in the American church, okay, especially in the Bible Belt. 
hear it all the time. We're goal-oriented people. That's why we do New Year's resolutions, right? We're, we, we, have, we have resolutions. We have, we have goals maybe for our kids. We have goals for our careers. We have goals for our weight. We have goals for our bench press. We have goals for our sports teams. And isn't it amazing that we celebrate people that pursue the mountaintop, right, of their career or their profession or their platform. Isn't it amazing that we'll say, hey, Steph Curry, greatest shooter in the history of the National Basketball Association, shoots a 1,000 shots a day. We're like, wow, that's amazing. We'll celebrate how, how the, the training regimen of an NFL you know, pro bowler. We'll celebrate a runner. We'll celebrate someone who gives their all to like as a soldier or a special forces or a Navy SEAL or an Army Ranger, their toughness, their training. We'll celebrate all of that and the hard work and all of the sacrifice. But when it comes to God and when it comes to a standard that God has set, we're like, oh, nobody's perfect and God understands. When it comes to the moral vision of being a person who, ha- who puts first things first, then we'll say, oh, God, I'll just forgive you. And we settle for moral and spiritual mediocrity. Or we'll say, oh, no, no, only, spirit, only, only the super spiritual people. That's, for, that's not spirituality for the rest of us. As, as we journey for the next three weeks, this thing, yeah, it started in the heart of Hezekiah, but it goes all through the nation of Israel. Some people don't want it, and they don't come to it. But the ones that do, whoo, the best is yet to come. Got to come back next week, okay? Right? But the, but, the, but the crazy thing, have you thought? I mean, think about it. We'll, t- we'll teach, parents will teach their kids to work hard in school, to give 137,000% to be a better baseball player, to be a better basketball player. But when it comes to teaching our kids the way of the Lord, we're like, oh, boys will be boys. Listen, the path of consecration is different. It is rigorous, but it's rigorous because the goal is magnificent. The goal of being closer to God, the goal of having more intimacy, union, communion, fellowship with God than I do right now, the goal of pursuing Christ's likeness, the goal of being a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ, the goal of growing, as we say at Rockbridge, in my love for God, love for others, and living sent to share the hope and the message of Jesus Christ, those goals are magnificent. The fact that I have as much of God right now as I want to have, but I can have have more and more of God is always a good thing right and if when we pursue that yes it takes rigor yes it takes consecration yes we can't lower the bar but it is a magnificent goal so how dare we lower the standard how dare we you know say celebrate people who pursue rigorous regimens to be better athletes, to be better in their profession, to be better football players. But when it comes to being fully devoted Christians, oh, that's only for a few people. Nobody's perfect. God understands, and he'll just forgive you. Or even worse, let's just change the rules. 
Let's change the vision of God. Let's change what God has said in, his, in the Bible about marriage, about sex, about money. And let's just say, hey, the church, the reason the church in America isn't growing is because we're, it's just too strict. They're, the standards are too high. So let's just reinvent God in our own image. That's what Ahaz did. Hezekiah says, not on my watch. First year, first month, we're going against the grain. We're starting with God. We're doing what's right in his sight. We're going to consecrate ourselves. Yeah, that's a challenge. It's rigorous. But the goal is magnificent because God is majestic. Let's go to Revelation. You'll, you'll see it. You'll see the vision. You'll see it. Here, here's what it says in Revelation. This last, last book, I mean, we're like almost to the end of the Bible. Let the unrighteous... Go on in unrighteousness. Let the filthy be filthy. So if we're not going to pursue that path, God's just going to let it be at some point. Let the righteous go on in righteousness. If we're going to pursue that path, we're going to pursue that path. Let the holy still be holy. Look, I am coming soon, Jesus says, and my reward is with me magnificent i am the alpha and the omega first and the last the beginning and the end the first and the last the beginning and the end. blessed are those who wash their robes purify themselves the blood of jesus is involved so that they may have the right to the tree of life and may enter the city by the gates outside the city the ones who miss it are the dogs the sorcerers, the sexually immoral, the murderers, the idolaters, and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to attest to these things to you for the churches. I am the root and the descendant of David, the bright morning star. Both the spirit and the bride say, come. There's an invitation to everybody listening to my voice, everybody reading Revelation. Come, come to Christ, come to God, come back to Christ, come back to God. Let anyone who hears say, come. If you hear the invitation, it is open, come. And then here's the condition. Let the one who's thirsty come. Let the one who is hungry for more. Let Hezekiah, who for 25 years has watched his father degrade the glory of God, who's watched his father lead the people of God away from God, who's let, watched his father allow the house of the Lord to fall in disrepair. Hezekiah takes the rain in the first year of the first month, and he's thirsty. And he knows the people are thirsty. They are not thirsty for sexual immorality. They are not thirsty for the idols of Baal. They are thirsty for the living God. And we're going to do what's right in his sight. Let the one who desires take the water of life freely. See, all of us in here have desires. God put them in us. Are our desires to thirst for living water. That's, now, now look, when you see, that's where everything is going. Do you hear anywhere in the word of God? Hey, let's just settle for half truth. Do you hear anywhere in the word of God where God is okay with sexual immorality? Where God is okay 
with redefining marriage. He invented it. Where God is okay with greed. Where God is okay with putting football ahead of faith. Do you hear anywhere in the word of God where God's okay with that? I can't find it. But on the flip side, on the flip side, the reward's magnificent for the thirsty. And the invitation is open-ended. And all Hezekiah says is, first year, first month, God, we're coming back to you. Maybe that's for you. I think it's for me. I think it's for Rockbridge. Now, we need to do a little diagnosis. What happened during the reign of Ahaz? What happened to the temple? The temple that the glory of God manifested in when Solomon dedicated it. Hezekiah gives the... the, the autopsy. For our ancestors were unfaithful and did what is evil in the sight of the Lord our God. They abandoned him, turned their faces away from the Lord's dwelling place, and turned their backs on him. I love the language there because it's not behavioral, it's relational. They committed adultery against God. Say it that way. They cheated on God. Say it that way. They betrayed the trust of God. Say it that way. You know, because what are we, if we keep it at behavioral, well, oh, there's nothing really wrong with that. If we keep it behavioral, it's like, ah, you know, I, I got pretty close, but I'm not as bad as those people. No, no, it's relational. A holy God, you abandon. A holy God, you turn your back on him. It's relational. It's relational. They also closed the doors of the portico, extinguished the lamps, did not burn incense, and did not offer burnt offerings in the holy place of the God of Israel. So everything they were created to do, chosen to do, brought out of Egypt to do, to be worshipers of the one true God in covenant with Yahweh, whose name they could not even say because he was so holy in their sight. All of that, they just abandoned it. And God's okay with that? No, no, no. Therefore, the wrath of the Lord was on Judah and Jerusalem. Now, thanks be to God, the wrath of the Lord goes on Jesus Christ if you put your faith in him and not on us. But he still gets angry when we abandon, turn our backs, right? And he made them an object of terror, horror, and mockery. He says, as you see with your own eyes, our fathers fell by the sword, our sons and daughters and our wives are in captivity because of this. See, the, the, what, what happened, what happened to the people of God in the story of Ahaz and what Hezekiah inherited, but he said, hey, first year, first month, we're going against the grain of all that. We're swimming upstream. What happened is they got held captive by a lesser story. They got held captive by a lesser story. See, we're all part of the story. It's the story of God. It's the story that ends in Revelation 22. We just read it, right? We're all, but we can get held captive by the story of our career, the story of what's trending on social media. Do you know why so many Christians get so worked out? Like every four years, you're going to hear in 2024, this is the most important election of our lifetime. Really? I'm not living for who's in the White House. I'm living to get to the big house in Revelation 22 because his reward is with him, and that's where living water is. 
But we will live for the story of entertainment, the story of sports, the story of politics, and the story of our lifestyle here on earth because we forget or are ignorant that we are part of a grand story being written by who? The Alpha and the Omega. And he invites us to come, if we're thirsty, and be part of that story. But we get held captive. So somewhere along the lines, the people of God said, Yahweh doesn't matter. Somewhere along the lines, they said, hey, we've got all these enemies. We're just going to make, we're just going to try to pay them off. And we're just going to try to be comfortable and, and, and not, not push the boat, not rock the boat. And, and, and we're just moving away. And Hezekiah comes along and he says, listen, some things only get dealt with when we get both serious and intentional about the Lord. I know there's marriages in our church right now struggling. It will not get better until you get serious and intentional about the Lord. I, I, think, there, I think there's things in our, our lives, and we know this is the problem, this is the problem. Hezekiah could have done the same thing. The problem is the military situation. The problem is all these enemies around us. The problem is out there. We're doing it the same thing in the church. The problem is woke. The problem is the White House. The problem is here. The problem. No, the problem is are we, the people of God, serious and intentional about seeking God? That's the problem. And Hezekiah says, you know what? Let's start right there. That door's broken. Fix it. Let's start right here. There's all these impurities inside the house of God. Let's get them out. And then he tells us what's going on inside his heart. He says, it's in my heart now to make a covenant with Yahweh, the God of Israel, so that his burning anger may turn away from us. This is what he says. My sons, don't be negligent now. We've had enough of that. For the Lord has chosen you. And we could say this about everybody here today. He's chosen you to stand in his presence. The happiest place in the world, the happiest place in the universe is in the presence of God. If you're there covered by the blood of Jesus. Happiest place in the world. To serve him and to be his ministers and burners of incense. So, so Hezekiah is saying a couple of things. He's like, look, God's merciful. And, and God will forgive us if we come back to him. But God's mercy doesn't lower God's standard, but his standard does not diminish his mercy. You've got to hold those things together. Got to hold those things together. So yes, God's mercy, we can come back to God. God's mercy, sinners can come to God. God's mercy, he'll put the wrath of God not on you, not on me. He'll put the wrath of God on Jesus. Praise the Lord, right? So we can come and drink. So we can come and have fellowship with him. So we can come and stand in his presence and have fullness of joy. So his mercy does not, uh, his, it does not lower the standard and his standard doesn't diminish his mercy. What we see that Hezekiah has, and this is probably why most New Year's resolutions fail, is he's, he's powered by a big why. See, most of our whys don't survive distraction or temptation or setbacks or adversity, right? Hey, why do you want to lose that weight, right? When that why goes away, what do you do? You typically gain it back, right? But when your why is, hey, I want to be right with God and do what is right in his sight, that gives you a reason to wake up every single day and you know your why. Why are you going to work? I'm going to work to do what's right in his sight. Hey, what are you going to do when you get home with your family? I'm going to do what's right in his sight. Hey, how are you going to handle yourself on social media? I'm going to do what's right in his sight. I'm a part of a bigger story. Part of the story of God. 
So he, the why is summarized here, 1 Chronicles 16. Boast in his holy name, the character of God. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Happiness for seeking God. Seek the Lord in his strength. Seek his face always. Wow, right? That's where they are. That's where they are. Now, a lot's got to happen. Now, for, our, for us at Rockbridge, thousands of years after this, there's a very important word. It shows up twice in verse 10 and 11. The word is now. The word is now. Remember Hezekiah, first year, first month. Here's what we're doing. We're not waiting. We're not calling a committee to study it and then get back in six months. We're not calling a prayer meeting. The temple, first things are not first. We're going to put first things first. We're going to seek the Lord. So for us at Rockbridge, here's what we have prayerfully decided to lead our church in over the next three weeks. It's different. It's different is a sacred assembly to seek the Lord. It comes right out of that Old Testament book of uh, Joel. We'll see, we'll see Hezekiah next week in the next call a sacred assembly of people coming together united in priority. United in priority. First things are first things. So that for us will be January 18th and 21st, Lord willing. The 24th, we'll have a day of prayer and a day of fasting. So where are we now? We're in a season of preparation. This weekend, the 4th and the 7th. Next weekend, the 11th and the 14th. We will be united and we'll have devotionals and we'll have united prayer emphasis. And we would love to include as many of us as possible in this. We're in preparation right now. And I'll give you some handlebars before we leave. But right now, I'm going to ask you to, to sort of bring out your phone in church, right? If you would text the word sacred to that number, 888 you can go ahead and do it, 7440761. The word sacred, 888-7440761. That will be how we share devotionals, share prayers in some form or fashion, stuff on social media, stuff on email, but that will be how we unify ourselves during the week when we're not gathered together. The church is gathered and scattered. That's the pattern in the scriptures. So we're, but we're going to unify in focus. We're going to unify in priority. We're going to unify in our commitment to follow this Hezekiah difference and to let 2024 be a different start to the year. So what do we do now, okay? This is building. The Hezekiah difference, a couple of things. Let first be first. First priority, first importance, first love. We have to be willing to forsake what interferes with first. And there'll be prayer and discernment around that. And we have to be willing to start right now. So here's all I want to ask you to do for the next week. Pray. Hezekiah says, I have it in my heart to make a covenant with Yahweh. Pray for your heart. Pray for the collective heart of Rockbridge Community Church. This is different. I get it. Pray for your heart. And you say, Matt, I need to pray for my marriage. Please pray for your marriage, yes. Matt, I need to pray for this challenge at work. Matt, I've got a, a medical situation going on. Pray for it. But put first first and pray that God would give you a heart and give this church a corporate heartbeat that he would be first. And we'll seek him first and he is our first love. And then number two, just show back up. Just show back up next week. Sign up for the text, but show back up. And be willing, be willing, as God speaks, God reveals, first year, first month, 
now is the time. Now is the time. And hold on to this promise that we'll boast in his holy name. The hearts of those who seek the Lord will rejoice. We will seek the Lord in his strength. We will seek his face always. This is different. Different is not bad when it's God leading us forward by faith to seek him. Would you bow your heads, close your eyes, let's pray. God, I think there's two emotions when we hear your invitation to come. There's first a little bit of fear. Some of that fear, God, is satanic and not of you. Some of that fear is a holy fear, God, an excitement of the adventure, an an anticipation, God, of being more committed to you, devoted to you, or of coming back to you. God, may every person here and this church as a whole hear your words to come. But may we see that coming requires us to adjust to you. First things first, removing the things that crowd you out and starting right now. So Holy Spirit, I pray in Jesus' name, you help all of our hearts and give all of our hearts a bent, an inclination, a hunger, a thirst for you, the living water. God, forgive us. Oh, forgive us for lowering your standard, for rewriting your standard, your law, your your commands, for even God changing you in the process in our minds. I pray we have a fresh vision of you, God, that you are holy, but you are merciful as well, and you are gracious, and you hold out a vision. And yes, the path of that vision, to get to that vision, involves some hard things, but it's worth it because the Spirit says, come, let all who are thirsty come. God, you're the living water. Find us thirsty. Find us thirsty for you. Jesus, I thank you in advance. I thank you in advance. Because I believe the best for those that seek you is yet to come. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen.